it's the inconvenience is that's what's a separator. Like the thing that's not comfortable is usually the thing that makes the biggest difference. And that's like in any aspect of your life. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me on another edition of the Richard Listens podcast. It is I, Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist and host of the Richard Listens show. Coming to you live today with yet another amazing guest uh, who has come to me through um, my own journey as a sports parent, sports psychologist, and, and at times unwilling uh, spectator and novice into the world of competitive U.S. soccer at a very interesting time in our history. Uh, I believe I did growing up catch Pele in one of his games for the Cosmos in New York, but uh, certainly uh, had more dreams of playing basketball and having uh, potentially children who played in the uh, NBA, let alone uh, to pursue playing college in soccer. Uh, so my guest today is a collegiate soccer coach. He's a former soccer player himself and goalkeeper. Uh, he's going to tell us all about that and talk about what it means to be a family man, to pursue sport uh, to the highest level, uh, and to remain a calm and balanced force, even while achieving uh, at the highest level and expecting excellence. Without further ado, my guest today is Coach Rod Lefferi. Welcome to the show. Coach Rodimus Lafferty. I didn't know that was your full name until now. Yeah, it's like a transformer, you know? <laughs> How many that's right. How many yeah. people in your life call you Rodimus? Uh, my sister. And probably that's about it. Uh my mother, maybe a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, but when I was a kid, I was I was positive that I was Optimus Prime. So I would I would just call myself uh, you know Rodimus Prime, basically. <laughs> Were yeah. you a big Transformers guy? As a young child, uh, definitely, uh, not, not over the last 35 years or so. I think I've got you, yeah, I've got you aged a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. I had all the, I think I had several of them, and, and I still enjoy going on the uh, Transformers ride at Universal. Yeah, totally. No, totally. I, I'm not so good about keeping up with all the movies, uh, I have to admit, but definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you've got your kids playing on the field, which is good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, as mentioned to our guests, um, you're a former player yourself. We'd love to hear about, uh, you, you know, your career. And, and um, uh, certainly, you know, the, the thing that I admire the most about you is your presence on the sideline and, and lack of reactivity uh, as both both the coach of uh, Occidental College here in California and then uh, the Los Angeles Surf Academy. Um, where did you learn your coaching style and, and your desire to become a coach? Yeah. You know, part of that's developed and, you know, naturally, which, which I'll speak about I, I think generally speaking, my, my dad was always pretty calm, probably to a fault. Um, I think he probably held in too many things that, you know, he, he, <laughs> he passed away fairly early. So I oh. think the fact that, uh, he held some things in, I think probably weren't ideal, but. But I think that that's part of it, right? So when you grow up, but the actual real soccer answer, honestly, I've been coaching teams since I was 17 years old. I've been college head coach for 13 years. Uh, you know, I've been coaching club soccer for 23 years. I uh, coached high school soccer for 12 years. 
So, you know, in my 20 years of coaching, I had like 80 years of experience, right? So, um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the math on that is, but a base guy average about three teams a year I'm coaching or what used to now, now it's two. So I think it just comes with almost seeing everything that's happened already on a field in some version, right? And, And nothing seems that out of the ordinary. And when something is out of the ordinary, you know, you'll hear me a little bit more, but you know, in life, we all go through our struggles. We all go through our, our amazing things as well. And the field is no different, you know? Um, I think it's like a lump in your oatmeal is different than a lump in your uh, breast or, or throat, right? <laughs> like, you know, you don't react the same to every lump, you know? So I think it's just right. a scenario like that, that I've learned along the way that helps. So that's interesting. So some of it is this repetition and practice and the, the younger versions of ourselves, you know, maybe especially when it comes to winning is everything or, you know, being behind or trailing or different scenarios, um, making mistakes in crucial situations. We react differently. Um, yeah, that, that and I probably just moved away because I think the younger part is, is that. But I think I moved away from making it about myself. And, you know, it's more, it's very much about the, the players that I'm coaching. It's not about me anymore. I think when I was younger, it was a little bit more because I wasn't always this way. Um, but when I was younger, it was very much about me. So I think uh, that's when it, it allows you to be more volatile. Right. So now that it's, it's, it's the players, you know, so it does get me upset when things that we've worked on, maybe and we've talked about or, you know, my players maybe aren't doing that, you know, as opposed to, OK, if my player misses a shot. Well. I mean, like nobody's perfect. You're going to miss shots, you know, I mean, you're going to miss a pass, you know, those things. Like I, I realize they're all trying. So, so I don't have an issue with those types of mistakes, you know, but it's, it's an issue of an effort. If it's an issue of uh, team respect component, you know, that's, that's where you'll see me react a little bit more because those things are more important to me is trying to shape human beings more than anything else. And um, that helps me stay pretty calm too, you know, knowing that as long as the guys well, you, are trying, you know, doing certain Yeah, things. I mean, it sounds like you're, yeah, right. Even that idea that you trust your players or trust their motivations. Um, yeah, I don't know if some coaches feel like they don't ever evolve past that, <laughs> making it <laughs> yeah. about them part. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I can assure you. I'm on the sideline every weekend, and that's definitely not the case with everybody that I see. Um, so it's, it's kind of nice, actually, to see the polar opposite sometimes. And, um, you know, I recognize the others that are like me. There's not that many. So where did you, I mean, I, I was joking. I grew up, I think I saw one Cosmos game when Pele was still playing. You know, where did you develop your love for, for soccer and, um, you know, and, and develop confidence around it yourself? Yeah, so I, I grew up actually playing soccer and baseball. You know, I was six years old and I played soccer and baseball right out of the shoots. Actually, I have two older sisters. And my mom went to go sign me up to play soccer. And then they're like, we want to play. And my mom wasn't even thinking about signing them up, you know? So then it's like kind of joke. Like my oldest sister actually became, you know, was a phenomenal soccer player, had a long career. And, you know, I always take credit for that, right? Because she wasn't even going to play without me, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm happy to, you know, pick off her, my older sister's soccer career. But, um, but I played Just like Michael baseball. Jordan because of his brothers, right? Yeah, yeah exactly, you know? Um, so, so I played, uh, you know, I've been playing since I was six years old in both sports until I was about 16 or 17. I actually would make an argument I was better at baseball uh, until 16 years old. Um, you know, Diamond Bar Little League in 1998 won the like Little League World Series, you know, as a part with all those guys like that. It's like a big deal, you know. So like I was pretty good. And then my dad, actually, when I told him I didn't want to play soccer or baseball anymore at 16, my dad's from Cuba. 
So, you know, baseball is a big thing um, for Cubans, you know, and that was that was a difficult conversation, I think, that, as for me as a 16 year old. But, um, you know, I always uh, have been around the game. So when I was and then I went to go play college soccer um, and then I went and I got my master's degree. And while I was doing my master's degree, I was kind of doing this big debate like, OK, do I want to keep going and do master's Ph.D.? Maybe a history professor or something like that, because I've always been kind of interested in history, very interested in history. Or do I, and I was playing professionally at that time as well, you know, do I go that way? And um, just in every scenario, I, even though I was doing research, I was enjoying, I just couldn't wait to get to the field. Like, yeah, I was doing the research so I could get to the field, you know, as opposed to reverse that. And it's not that I didn't enjoy doing the, the other stuff in the classroom, because that's, that's really enjoyable for me. But I was always just tugged uh, that way. So, you know, it's interesting, actually, like sort of a marriage between college soccer coach, well, college soccer coach is a marriage of professional soccer player and history professor, you know, so I've kind of oddly enough married those two in this career. That's beautiful. And yeah. yeah, I mean, so what was it like to fully commit to going to play soccer professionally um, at a time, right? Like you said, where, yeah, it's not being given like a lot of value in our culture and um even in yep. our families, right? So what was it like to make that pursuit? And Yeah, that's that, that's probably more so where, <laughs> where the coaching came in because I wasn't getting paid much playing, right? You know, you're in the lower divisions of American soccer, especially, and had opportunities to go overseas and, and those things, but there's not that much money in it. So I still had to do something else, or there wasn't, at least certainly in lower, lower levels. So I still had to be coaching anyway. Um, I mean, I really, in truth, got started coaching at so I, was, I graduated high school when I was 17. I went to college as a 17 year old and then 18 year old. And in the winter time, my college coach was like, "Hey, who wants to coach high school soccer? Because here in LA, it's a winter sport." And it's like, you know, there's three thousand dollars, maybe twenty five hundred dollars for three months to coach. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like tw- 20 years ago, I was like, "Well, that sounds great." You know, about thousand dollars a month for like 50 hours a week. You know, no, it wasn't 50 hours a week, but right, like for 20 hours a week, 25 hours a week, probably in the grand scheme of, not probably, definitely. In the grand scheme of things is not a lot, but that seemed like uh, the lottery to me, you know? And, and that's really how I got started at 17, almost 18 year old. I was coaching high school. So I was coaching kids that were my age almost, or just one year younger, right? As a, as a 17, 18 year old. So um, it started that way. You know, I needed to pay my rent. I lived in an apartment, you know? Um, and then after I played college soccer and I'm playing more, but by that point, like five or six years into my coaching career. Um, and I still had to earn more money. And then at 26 years old, you know, I started, stopped getting calls to play. Well, no, everybody wanted me to play for free. <laughs> just not, just not play for money. Um, you know, so you got to make a choice at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's amazing that you learn this skill just from your own love of a sport. Yeah. 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 And, and I love it. So like, I'll come, I'll be on the field all day and I'll go watch a soccer game. You know, I, I guess I'm not one of those people and, and there are a lot of coaches and, and I don't know which way is better to be honest, but there's a lot of coaches that like, it's, they need to take time away from the game, you know, like now I need to not do soccer today, or I need to go watch a, a movie or something. It's like, no, I'll go watch another soccer game. I'm fine with it. You know, I'll watch Ted Lasso, which is about soccer, you know? Like, I was going to ask you about Ted Lasso. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, I mean, that's like, I don't watch, I've not watched nothing on Netflix in five years. That's the only thing that 
Um, I probably watch, you know, besides whatever my kids watch. So <laughs> I don't want, I don't watch TV. I just watch soccer games and then whatever episode of Ted Lasso's up and that's it, you know? And then well, this, is a, this is an important point. Cause if you love something, you know, it can have a lot of different meaning in your life, a lot of different, take on a lot of different roles in your life. Uh, I've met some of the best friends and the character judgments for people I do business with from playing basketball with them once or twice. Just yeah, simply yeah. from seeing how you play, totally. <laughs> how we communicate. I yeah. learned you learn things very quickly from being around the sport. And yet I was raised with the dichotomy of like, oh no, you need to like, you know, be a clinical psychologist and sport is separate. You know, it's something you do after hours. And it took me until being in into my adulthood and being a parent to go. You're spending all this time coaching kids' soccer games, kids' basketball games. You're talking about sports nonstop. Why not allow this to become part of your vocation? Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, sometimes I think about myself and I have to remind myself, I'm like, am I just like a glorified PE teacher almost, right? Am I just helping like, hey, here's the ball, go play. And then the other side of that, I'm thinking, no, but I have an opportunity to make an impact on people every day, right? There's something like some sort of quote that, you know, a coach touches the lives of more people in a year than most people do that don't have that opportunity in, in a different vocation, you know? So um, I think I take it that way. It's part of my life because I just want every scenario to be better when I'm around, when I'm involved. So, you know, it's it, I don't want to get it away. Besides the fact that I love actually watching soccer games, take that for a second. I still always feel like in some sense, I'm always a coach. I always need to improve. I always need to pour into others to help them. And honestly, whatever I did, to be to be fair, I think I would always be trying to grow and learn so I can help more ultimately, uh, even if I was I don't, I don't know, anything else, to be honest. Right. Right. It's a great mentality for any profession you're in to be mentoring, to be caring, to be building others up. Um, but sports gives you the opportunity to be yep. building the team. It's a great model for society, for sure. uh, I think. So who poured into you? Who gave you that? Did anyone inspire you uh, as an athlete and, and to be the best that you wanted to be, best version of a human being? Um, um, yes, probably. Uh, you know, and, and I say probably because there's not one specific uh, – person that I think I mentored me other than I'll, I'll get to a quick story in a little bit. But basically, you know, as I think back on my childhood as, you know, baseball and soccer, right. And, and I, I think it was just the time, you know, it, that's when coaches basically just, ah, you know, just yelled at you. And like, if you didn't do it right, uh, you know, that's, that was the coaches that I had. I can only think of coaches in my life that were, you know, mean, mean is not the right word, maybe, but tough or in a weird, like had no interest in who I was as a or at least I didn't feel that, right? That they had an interest in me as a human being, you know, just like do the job, do it better. We'll get somebody else. And, and that's kind of how it was. The harsh and, old um, school man. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm fine, you know, but anyway, that's it. I know, I know we don't have that anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think there was an element to that. Like I, I've grown into that part knowing that's not who I want to be. Right. So in, in some respects, you know, all of those little experiences, um, have kind of made shaped me right in a way to say, look, well, it's got to be bigger, more than just that, right? I need to offer more, 
you know, because I look back at my past coaches in general, who are all fantastic people, to be fair, were probably fantastic human beings. I just never got to know them, you know, <laughs> like that wasn't a thing, right? To for for that to be part of the coaching relationship where it's it's a little bit bigger than just I'm the coach, I tell you what to do, and this is why, you know. Um, but then, you know, even when I started coaching, that was how I started coaching because that was my mentorship, right? So as a 19, 20, 21, 22 year old, I was just hard on the guys, you know, on my guys, right? Like that I was coaching. Like that's just what I did because that's what I mentored. Uh, that's what I was, I guess I would say that's what was modeled to me. Um, and then when I got to college, uh, become a college head coach, you know, we had, I inherited a program at, at Oxy that, you know, I think between when the program started from 1967 till 2011. So basically I got there. I don't know how many winning seasons the program had ever had, like winning just in the sense of like nine and eight, not like winning championships, like literally just winning more games than losing, you know? Um, and so when I got there, right, like I've had this thing that they probably didn't have any winning seasons. And then my second year or third year, full year, we had this winning season, nine and eight. And I thought I figured it out. I was like, uh, yes, I am, I am, I got it. I'm yelling at these guys still. Like, this is the way. Be harder. This is the winning method. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let's be harder and it'll we'll get more out of them, you know, squeeze the lemon harder. <laughs> um, you know, and so then we go to the next year, 2013. We win our first game, 4-0. Oh boy, I am I am just I'm genius, you know. Um, and then we end up losing the next. 17 out of 19 games we go three and 16 or something like that there's some three and 16 i think i I try to forget about it but um i I can't you know and that winter i sat down and i said look that that wasn't it (laughs) you know so what i did that winter is i called uh most of the people i could call and email that were successful in the sport so there's a guy named dave brant who's one uh I don't know, eight maybe national titles in men's soccer division three. He did it at he did it at a school called Messiah. Now he's um coaching, I think, at Bucknell somewhere, I believe. Uh somewhere around there. If it's not Bucknell, it's it's somewhere in, you know, in that area. Uh, division one now. Um I spoke to Paul McGinley, who's the, been the Trinity head coach at Division Three uh men's soccer program for 30 years, um, and been hugely success successful. So I, I anyway, so I started calling these people and I just started like saying like, Oh, what did you guys do? You know, what are you guys doing? And those are just two examples. Cause those guys gave, gave me the most, you know, when they didn't have to, there were other coaches who responded in certain ways. So I just started listening more and learning more, you know, and it's not to say those guys aren't tough on their players. They are definitely tough on their players, but that's when it kind of opened up this book of, well, you know, you can be tough on them, but they need to know you care. They need to know that that it's much bigger than just about the sport. Um, and I think once it came into that, and then that just opens up the whole rabbit hole of all these other things to go down, right? And books, podcasts, other coaches, other things. And that started the explosion of what's been a little bit more successful than 3 and 16, you know, over the last last decade, I guess. Right. And that's, you know, the, I think the biggest misconception that that we're not going to fail or that we're not supposed to fail when sometimes these moments of things aren't working is exactly where we have to change. We need a yeah. new skill. We need input. We need to keep learning no matter what stage we're at in our career. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Stumbling blocks or stepping stones are just a matter of perception. So I like that's for, uh, for me, right. And we even when we actually do well, so every year I have a thing that I want to grow and improve, right. And in, in different buckets of my life, you know? Um, so not to say like that, the, no matter how the season goes, doesn't matter because it does, but I still want to get better. And I, uh, I still want to learn more. I still want to, improve so i can help my team uh, despite the success or failures whatever you want to call them on the field you know i still feel like there's oh we can always do more we can always i can always help and shape these guys more so that for me is uh, the best part of the off season is my ability to to grow um in different ways you know from different people not even just soccer coaches right from other people yeah and and you've done it's amazing uh from being a, a fan and a sports parent uh at the culture at your games and the fans involvement and the uh super fan club uh, and, uh, and and from bringing your own family what's it like to include them on your journey yeah you know I, i'm lucky um my wife and i started dating in, in 2003 um so you know she's seen this evolution right from just right at the end as i was graduating a couple years from graduating college i'm lucky because i don't think if i were to start dating a woman now let's say there's no way i could explain oh yeah i'm gone saturday night wait what do you mean like oh don't worry i'll be back you know <laughs> we just have a game you know i'll be back at 11. like well wait 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 a minute you know um so I, I think that that kind of comes into it. Yeah, I got to be gone for how many weekends for tournaments <laughs> yeah. in random cities of California? Sure. sure. Like, yeah, I'm flying to Maryland. Yeah, it's five days. Yeah, don't worry, you know? Um, and like, and when, when it's for the club side, when I'm, you know, I'm the like, MLS Academy director, you know, it's not like that's on TV. Not like you'd see me, you know? So anyway, um, I think that's a part of it is, you know, she saw the evolution. So now seeing the evolution of, of my career has been helpful, but that's why they come, you know, there's times when we go to events and I go to events and they come with me because I know that, man, this is a time where we can actually spend some time together uh, besides when I'm on the field. So that's actually probably the most enjoyable part that, that they do get to come and, and enjoy it, you know, and my older son's not like a soccer junkie. My nine-year-old Luca, you know, he plays water polo, which is a phenomenal sport as well. And I'm glad he does sports. Um, it's not like he's watching the games saying, dad, you know, why did you sub that guy, you know? <laughs> he's just like hey i'm i'm hungry so can we go home i'm like yes let's go home <laughs> yeah like, let's go. he just sees dad right <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah let's go you know my my daughter she's a little bit more of the soccer soccer girl right now <laughs> oh that's funny i remember my i would yeah. bring my my kids to my basketball games and and they'd be like why were you sitting down and why were you <laughs> <laughs> their questions were always very entertaining after the game yeah yeah no no mine just played with the bubble during the game and we're just happy to see me there and happy to happy to go home. So let, let, yeah, let's focus on the MLS Academy because we're lucky to be here in Southern California. And from what I understand for being the soccer novice that I am, I mean, the quality of teams in Southern California and the whole academy system is really flourishing at this time. Um, you know, what's it like for you to see the growth of the sport and to – um, you know, choose to coach those who have aspirations of not only college, but professionally playing, uh, potentially playing professionally. Yeah, it's it's a unique challenge. It's interesting because, um, and it's, a lot of people kind of ask me, you know, do I use and utilize the abilities and resources of LA Surf to get kids into like Occidental, for example, uh, 
and really not not a lot because so many of those kids who are playing at LA Surf actually are just aspiring to go right to the professional level in our scenario for the MLS Academy kids. But not only that, their parents, you know. And so I, what I found a lot is, is a lot of times there's a lot of families that are like there's extra uh, like pressure almost on me as their coach. Like if their son doesn't become a professional that it's, it's my fault, you know, like literally mine, because, you know, in their mind, in their eyes, their son should be a professional soccer player. That's why they're in the MLS Academy. Um, so what I've seen over, you know, this time is maybe just families and parents not quite understanding how difficult it is. You know, I, I think that what I've seen is people just assuming that, well, there's so many more opportunities now and there's this league and there's this league and there's this and there's this. So, my kid's definitely good enough so my kid will make it you know whereas probably the expectations even when i was playing it was still like it's gonna be pretty hard to make it you know if somebody makes it that's good um whereas now it's like well if somebody didn't make it that's a perceived you know problem um and we're so, seeing that across a lot of different sports right but the more professionalization of kids from a young age and they're getting involved with the club at prior to 10 years old some of them and yeah um yeah the the certainly the resources the private coaching um the sports psychology professionals like there's more available but that doesn't necessarily equate with right how you're going to handle your opportunity or how you're going to make the most of opportunity or are you willing to struggle with being on a team and not not starting or um you know, not getting as many minutes as you want. Like, are you willing to wait for your opportunity? So, you know, how do you, how do you deal with those kind of scenarios, keeping the expectations realistic and keeping players motivated when their parents may be kind of driving the motivation train? Yeah, sure. Um, well, <laughs> Yeah, you know, that, that's always an interesting component because these guys that I'm, we're talking about on the MLS Academy side, um, they're all actually, in, in terms of individual player boys, they're pretty motivated in the sense of they would just play soccer every day. You know, they, they're, I, I don't think you can totally get to that level. There are definitely outliers and exceptions. But for the most part, to get to that top level, you have to be pretty self-motivated at that youth level, right? And then what's the separator is sort of the mentality, right? Is now, okay, to your point, you know, what about when times are tough? You know, how do I act? What are my habits, right? Those take you through. Motivation to a degree wears off, but it's your habits that ultimately make you who you are. So it's, you know, the guys that are consistently doing a little bit more and more because it's not even the best players that typically make it. It's like literally you can almost like look at, oh, he's the best player, quote unquote, he may not make it, you know, to the next level. Um, whereas there's the guy that's just kind of plugging around along, got good habits and those things. So in terms of the, the motivational piece, you know, because again, like I said, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that it's, it's the habits that you do and anybody can be motivated for a day and for a moment and for a month, but you know, that's going to wear off at some point. And so, um, what I try to remind the players and families, and we try to do it as much as we can, is is looking at the bigger process and the bigger picture of this, you know? So one, be grateful firstly, right? They're in the top level. Like they, as a parent, if they've gotten to this point, like wash your hands, you've done amazing as a parent, you know? They, they've got this far, you know? Like this is amazing. Family's done a great job. 
Now, the only way the kid's going to the next step, for the most part, is if the kid takes the next step, the player, the young man, you know, because he's got to do now certain things that uh, that are going to separate him from other people. So, uh, you know, I, I try to have that, have the players understand that and the parents doesn't always go greatly, um, but, but I think it's helped a lot, you know, and for them to understand the, the bigger picture and, and know that, look, there's an onus on the, on the, the players as well, but that's the bigger thing from like parenting, you know, I mean, and just, uh, you know, parents and more involved, that's a different, we need a parenting right? seminar at the start <laughs> yeah. of each club. Season. Uh, yeah. Which you kind of try to do, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely part of it. The college side, I see it a little bit less, but, um, I definitely get to interact on, on that side with the families. Right. Cause at least it's clear that they're there to be college students, but when they're in the Academy, right. Um, depending yeah. on, you know, especially in Southern California, you meet parents who, uh, by day, they may look like a uh, they're a mechanic and they're carrying a cup of coffee and they've got a couple pounds, but you give them a ball and uh, you get them talking and they were professionals at the age of 13 in their own country. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And professional coaches, by the way, but, you know. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. I'm glad yeah. that I don't know anything to say anything. So yeah. that that's one of the gifts of, of ignorance is my son. How do you think I did? And, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you, made, right. you ran a lot. You made a lot of effort. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. You know, I can't say, you know, why was Rod? What do they say in Ted Lasso? And why were you in the four four three? And why were you in the five? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. No, it's better. Trust me when I say it's better that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, just applaud your son's efforts and support him. <laughs> you know, so that would be for any parents who's who's listening who has a kid. You know, uh, I think the last thing I would imagine. Uh, the last thing that a kid probably wants to hear when he gets in the car or walking is the critique of why you think he didn't do this or that or whatever. <laughs> like, I think all the thing that, and I'm, you know, my son plays water polo. I'm trying to help him with water polo and saw and my daughter's soccer. So I'm guilty of it too, as well, but I am a coach. So I probably have more credibility than others, but nevertheless, um, just filling their cup with that. Did they try? Did they give their best? Were they focused? You know, and, that's that's I think it's yeah it's really hard i mean the most fun yeah. times i probably had uh you know were were and still to this day but i've got michael with uh, my older son with soccer and, and his sister and, and my younger son uh loves baseball is just when there's no comments when i'm just out there having fun playing with them letting them you know have some repetitions uh and then it's about the relationship then it's about spending time together uh, and it, it's also about having fun, like you said, watching a game, um, you know, buying them the ice cream, just making it normal that it's about the relationship uh, because there's going to be struggles. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. Um, anytime, like you said, it becomes about us as the parent or our agenda. And most calls I get as a sports psychologist are, hey, can you help my son? And, and it, it converge on what they're struggling with versus what I think they need to get better at to become a more professionalized version or, or maintain their ranking. Right. So not that I want to go against any parents, but I'm always curious to ask, what does that teenager want? What does that young athlete want? Uh, or yep. even an adult who's pursuing it. Is it now on their terms or are they still trying to live out the fulfillment of their parents, you know, you know, wishes. Totally. There are a lot of parents living vicariously through their sons. This is their chance to become a pro for, for all the reason they didn't become one, you know? 
for sure. Yeah, and if there's not a lot of self-awareness there about, right, obviously we want better, and, we, and it's part of the mission of a parent to create a better life um, and to want the best. But if we're not aware of uh, where the boundary is, <laughs> there is no separation, there is no space. So I always ask the parents, you know, we've got a lot of diehard parents who are at every game who are traveling across states and traveling and, and they're giving considerable sacrifice of their free time and their money. You know, how, how's their own self-care, right? Are they taking time off? You know, can, can you miss one game for one kid because, you know, your own mental health or health is compromised? So to make sure we're not sacrificing right the idea is not to be to sacrifice everything right that model is a little bit dangerous so i want to make sure we're you know like you said we'll be going on a tournament is it fun did you have some fun on your trip maybe your team lost both games and you drove seven hours did you enjoy being with your team um you know because the most memorable and most successful season of my son's career i always tell coaches he went one in 13 because they were playing kids who were a, a year older and they had moved up. And a lot of players do this now to challenge themselves. And then by the end of the year, they had grown and were beating the same teams that they lost eight, nothing. They were beating them one, nothing. So, you know, that kind of shift from just, could, and they were just, you know, they'd lose and then they'd go have a sleepover. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> well, yeah, no, the, the, the mindset and I try again, I'm lucky that I'm living it as well. So like, like I said, my son just started playing water polo, so he doesn't like play a lot yet. Like, so I, I, when we drive, I think like I take him to games and when I'm lucky enough to, and we'll drive down to South Orange County, you know, and we'll drive wherever from here. It's an hour and a half just with traffic and things. And he plays five minutes. Let's say I could definitely be upset about why. Why did I drive on a weekend when I have a weekend off or something and be like totally upset about that? You know, I granted he's nine. So like, it's, you know, he's still pretty young, but like, I just, I'm so thrilled to have been spent an hour and a half in the car with him to be able to just talk to my son in the car, you know? And so like, and I don't know, I think everything is a matter of perspective and don't get me wrong. If we were trying and I was like, he needs to be on the U S Olympic team by the time he's 15. I might have a shift in that, but maybe that's just not where I am as a, as a parent, you know, but the reality is just the time to get to spend with him and see him do a healthy activity for me um, is enough right now, you know, for sure. And hopefully right. some other parents can do that. So how do, how do parents do it? How do they have these aspirations and dreams and want the best and still keep it in balance? What? Well, I don't think how I feel is, is mutually exclusive to making the next uh, water polo champion, you know, like so for, for Luca in our scenario, you know, anything that he needs or wants, uh, you know, we're there. He goes to practice. We take him five days a week to practice. You know, we we offered to take him to the pool and I throw with him when I can. So, you know, I still think I'd be doing those same exact things that I, even if I was like grinding to say I have to get him into the national team until I'm 15 years old or until he's 15 or by the time. So I think as families, you know, again, it's offer all the support you can offer. And just when he gets to the games, you don't have to be the first one that crushes him, you know, as a, as a parent in a family, if it wasn't great, you know, um, and not making him feel or her that if their value is just based on their performance. And, and, I, and that's why even professional athletes, you know, are having the, these, these mental difficulties as well, you know, and, and like people that, 
you wouldn't necessarily even expect that because I think their whole life, it's just been like, look, I'm a performer and this is what I do. And if I don't perform well, then my value is not high, right? When obviously as human beings, that's not true. Uh, maybe they just perform poorly. That happens. Maybe they made the wrong mistake. That happens. Um, right. They're not yeah. And that. I can definitely understand that where like, you know, if, if the court or the field is where you've developed your identity, especially for a young age, um, and so much of um, how important you were, how you were valued or respect and confidence and everything, uh, it's going to be really hard to separate from that. If it's not being taught, if it's not being modeled, um, it's going to be really hard to separate from that, you know. And I know for me, yeah, basketball gave me so much confidence and so much pride. Um, but I only learned one way. I only learned, you know, you battle, you grind. It's difficult, you know. You fight for everything. So, um, you know, there's limits. Yeah. You know, well, and. and, and yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say no, I was just going to say that the coaches help, right? The right individual at the right time can teach you. I always say I had like two different coaches, right? One was that harsh smoking the cigarette on the bus and throwing the clipboard, and that wasn't for me. But I did have the loving, kind, you know, grandfather figure who was like willing to spend time that shows you, hey, you know, I'm willing to invest in you. And I think these different coaches can show you different ways of loving yourself i think that's really what it comes down to it so i hope a lot of these nba guys and, and professional organizations i see mlb a lot of the, the sporting organizations are moving away from having a mental skills professional by themselves to now allowing clinical uh you know professionals also to be on the teams recognizing that this is a human this is a human matter this isn't just about making more free throws or more pks yeah, for sure. Well, and that's because they've all been raised, these kids probably in that other method, you know? And so I think once you can start raising as parents, you can start raising these kids in a different way. That, not to say that won't be as necessary, but, uh, you know, a coach and a parent are different things, right? And so I think a coach still has to have that high standard for, you know, my players. So now, not talking about my biological children, my kids that are playing for me, young men. I mean, our standards still has to be high. So there are things that are unacceptable um, because of the standards that we have, right? But it, me as a parent, it, it's probably a little bit different than, than it is as a coach in some respects, but or in a lot of respects. But, um, you know, I do want to, you know, be clear that even with my college team, I'm not just like, all right, guys, it's okay. You know, like, good try. You know, like, <laughs> oh, no, no, hold on, you know, hold on. We, we have standards that we need to uphold. To, to, and listen, to yeah, I mean, you know, I have a former guest on the show and former high school teammate of mine that played for Bruce Weber and said that the 5 a.m. wake-ups were like the gift for his life. Like that kind of discipline has shaped the whole way he functions as a professional. So, you yeah. know, some of these hard cultural decisions to make you commit and focus and build habits, right, they're not always going to be easy. Yeah, actually going to make a strong argument that it's the inconvenience is that's what's a separator. Like the thing that's not comfortable is usually the thing that makes the biggest difference. And that's like in any aspect of your life, you know, and I'm sure yeah. you're the same as like those things that were difficult. Asking your wife the first time to go out on a date that became your wife, that was probably uncomfortable, but you got through it. And there you go. You know, I mean, it's like if anything just comes those easy things typically a lot of the work i do with clients is encouraging yeah. them to find safety and fiddling with the discomfort 
or embracing yeah. the resistance, these kind of concepts. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you highlighted that because I do think some of the mental health issues that come from some of the early stars or young is because everybody placates them or tells them they're good. No one wants to really be unpopular or tell them anything is wrong. So I think that can sometimes hinder a star athlete. Yeah, um, for sure. That and just young players need to know that if you're comfortable, you're probably not growing in the way you should. And you have to, you know, you have to be familiar with discomfort. You know, you have to understand that this is normal and a good part. And if I'm not, you know, feeling that, then I might not be growing in the way I, I should be growing. And the same with my teams, you know, if, if we just feel like every practice was great and everything was easy, we're probably not growing. Um, you know, there's, it's like a third of the time or so it should be really hard. And for lack of a better word, just stuck, you know, like, man, this is hard, you know, like it, it can't be like all of the time. This is amazing, you know, um, or else we're probably not growing, you know, we got to understand that, but well, yeah. I'm just laughing, having firsthand watched it, you know, watching the, I'm getting the vision of all the players running sprints after a game. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah, that's you how you get your supreme fitness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not, and that's not punishment. You know, that's just for guys that uh, need to run a little bit more. You know, that's right. Well, coach, I really appreciate you making time and your busy schedule and with everything you're doing. Maybe tell our listeners uh, some part of closing thoughts and how they can find you, learn more about LA Surf Academy, and of course, catch an oxy game um and uh connect with you yeah i appreciate it thanks thanks richard uh well of course yeah i'm pretty easy to find so you know an occidental um or la surf are both pretty big brands enough to, to find online at least so that that makes it easy enough uh, maybe too easy sometimes to find me but um it's a pleasure <laughs> you know i feel like uh i i'm truly blessed in, in this respect that i get to work with with top people i, I get to work with with people that make me have to be better. And, and I'm very grateful for that. So, um, you know, I think that's probably one thing that people are like, well, do you want to like go to another place? Do you want to progress to another place? I still feel like I'm in a place where I still have so much more growing to do that. I'm fulfilled in that respect, you know? And, and, and I think as long as I continue to progress towards growth, I, I think I'll continue to be happier, but yeah, feel, you feel free. Anybody has any questions. I'm always happy to, to answer anything. Um, love talking about this stuff so i appreciate it yeah and what do you what do you call that component right because it's so easy to always be looking for like the bigger school the more resources the next right like where you take ownership over making something the culture and the quality that you want it to be for me personally it's creating it. <laughs> so like, you know, even when I started what LA Surf used to be called LA Premier at Oxy, you know, there. So in both scenarios, LA Premier was not really a big club. You know, we became LA Surf and then it's like, then you got the next thing and the next thing. So all of a sudden we're now a big club, but it wasn't that way before I got there. Um, with Oxy, you know, we have these super fans and we raise a lot of money and we've created this whole thing, but it wasn't there before we got there. So like, I, I like, it, it's not about getting to the next thing that does all the work, at least for me, it's about, well, I know what the vision I want it to be. So I got to find a way, how do I create this here? You know, and instead of it's already created. So let me jump onto that ship. 
Um, that's not at least been my preference. You know, my preference is like, let's create this Camelot of soccer right here. Uh, let's create this big thing here. Let's, uh, let's do all that. And I think we have, I mean, we average over a thousand people per game, you know, at Occidental, like we have 4,000 people for our playoff game. We raise a ton of money. Like we've created this thing. Right. And, and that's for me, uh, wherever you are, you know, just create what you want. You don't have to jump on somebody else's ship. And I think that's what makes it, uh, for me, more worthwhile. So I don't know what the word is. You asked me a question. What's that word? I don't know. That word, whatever. Uh, well, you <laughs> just called it. What did you call it? Uh, not a village. What did you call it? A, a Camelot? What did you call it? Oh, a Camelot. Yeah, Camelot is a perfect place, you know? I, I, just, I, yeah, I like yeah. it. I love it, you know, but it, it's really an ownership of a domain and the beauty of that kind of creativity. You said, you know, I really want to create it um, because it invites, you know, a creative community invites others to grow especially young adults and that's the beauty right you know for whether it be sports clubs or the collegiate world that you're creating young minds you're creating the place in which relationships can occur especially in la and sports right you, you get to live diversity you get to live right my son is you know they're learning about his spiritual practices he's learning about foods and <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, the, the kind of interactions he had, even his roommates are very different uh, upbringings. And, and that's all the beauty of becoming a rounded human being. So thank you for creating that and building that and for being my guest today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And we look forward to seeing you on the field real soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you. Well, again, an honor to have Coach Rod Lefery on the show, personal coach of uh, my own son and coach of LA Surf Academy and the Occidental College Tigers. This is Richard Listens. I thank all of you for building community and tribe with me and for trusting me as your voice and for bringing you some of the most amazing individuals I know or from your field uh, or community so that I can create a voice. Uh, to reflect changes and developments in sports psychology and mental health. This is Richard, and I'm out.